Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim In the name of Allah most gracious, most merciful My Path to Islam by Huda Dot Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Since I have started reading and posting on this huge group a few months ago I have noticed a great interest in converts reverse Islam How are people introduced to it? what attracts people to this faith, how their life changes when they embrace Islam, etc. I have received a lot of email from people asking me these questions. In this post, I hope, inshallah, to address how, when, and why an American like myself came to embrace Islam. It's long, and I'm sorry for that, but I don't think you can fully understand this process from a few paragraphs. I tried not to ramble on or get off on tangents. At times the story is detailed because I think it helps to truly understand how my path to Islam developed. Of course there is a lot left out. I'm not trying to tell you my whole life story, just the pertinent stuff. It's interesting for me to look back on my life and see how it all fits together. How Allah planned this for me all along. When I think about it, I can't help saying Subhanallah and thank Allah for bringing me to where I am today. At other times, at other times, I feel sad that I was not born into Islam and thereby being a Muslim all my life. While I admire those who were, I at times pity them because sometimes they don't really appreciate this blessing. While I admire those who wear, I at times pity them because sometimes they don't really appreciate this blessing. The blessing of being born as a Muslim from the beginning. Inshallah reading this can help you understand how I at least came to be a Muslim, whether it gives you ideas for da'wah or just gives you some inspiration in your own faith. I hope it is worth your time to read it, inshallah. It's my story, but I think a lot of others might see themselves in it. I was born in San Francisco, California, and raised in a Bay Area suburb. My small town, Anselmo, pop about 14,000 last I checked, was a mostly white upper middle class Christian community. It is a beautiful area just north of San Francisco across the Golden Gate Bridge, nestled in a valley near the hillsides Mount or Tamal Pace and the Pacific Ocean. I knew all of my neighbors played baseball in the street, caught uh, frogs in the creeks, rode horses in the hills and climbed trees in my front yard. My father is Presbyterian and my mother is Catholic. My father was never really active in any church, but my mother tried to raise us as Catholics. She took us to church sometimes, but we didn't know what was going on. People stand up, sit down, kneel, sit again, stand up and recite things after the priest. Each pew had a booklet, a kind of direction book, and we had to follow along in order to know what to do next if we didn't fall asleep first. I was baptized in this church and received my first 
communion at about the age of eight. I have pictures, but I don't remember it much. After that, we only went about once a year. I lived on a dead-end street of about 15 houses. My grammar school was at the end of the street, four houses down, next to a small Presbyterian church. When I was about 10, the people of this church invited me to participate in their children's Christmas play. Every Sunday morning from then on, I walked down to church alone. No one else in my family was interested in coming. The whole congregation was only about 30 older people past their 50s, but they were nice and never made me feel out of place. There were about three younger uh, couples with children younger than me. I became a very active member of this church down the street. Uh, when I was in sixth grade, I started babysitting the younger kids during the service. By ninth grade, I was helping the minister's wife teach Sunday school. In high school, I started a church youth group by recruiting four of my friends to join me. It was a small group, me, my friends, and a young couple with kids, but we liked it that way. The big Presbyterian church in town had about 10 kids in their youth group and took trips to Mexico, to Mexico, to Mexico etc. But our group was content to get together to study the Bible, talk about God, and raise money for charities. These friends and I would sit together and talk about spiritual issues. We debated about questions in our minds, what happens to the people who lived before Jesus came, go to heaven or hell, why do some very righteous people automatically go to hell just because they don't believe in Jesus? We thought about Gandhi and the other hand. On the other hand, on the other hand, why do some pretty horrible people like my friend's abusive father get rewarded uh, with the heaven just because they're Christian? Why does a loving and merciful God require a blood sacrifice Jesus to forgive people's sins? Why are we guilty of Adam's original sin? Why does the word of God Bible disagree with scientific facts? How can Jesus be God? And how can one God be three different things, etc.? We debated about these things, but never came up with good answers. The church couldn't give us uh, good answers either. They only told us to have faith. The people at church told me about Presbyterian summer camp in Northern California. Uh, I uh, went for the first time when I was 10. For the next seven years, I went every summer. While I was happy with the little church I went to, this is where I really felt in touch with God without confusion. It was there, or it was here, that I developed my very deep faith in God. We spent much of our time outdoors playing games, doing crafts, swimming, etc. It was fun. But every day we would also take time out to pray, study the Bible, sing spiritual songs, and have quiet time. It's this quiet time that really means a lot to me, and of which I have the best memories. The rule was that you had to sit alone anywhere on the camp's 200 beautiful acres. I would often go to a meadow or sit on a bridge overlooking the creek and just think. I looked around me at the creek the trees, the clouds, the bugs, listen to the water, the birds' songs, the crickets' chirps, uh, 
This place really let me feel at peace and I admired and thanked God for his beautiful creation. At the end of each summer when I returned back home, this feeling stayed with me. I love to spend time outdoors alone to just think about God, life and my place in it. I developed my personal understanding of Jesus' role as a teacher and example and left all the confusing church teachings behind. I believed and still do in the teaching uh, love your neighbor as yourself, fully giving to others without expecting anything in return, treating others as you would like to be treated. I strive to help everyone I could. When I was 14, I got my first job at an ice cream store. When I got my paycheck each month, it wasn't much. I sent the first $25 uh, to a program called Foster Parents Plan. They've changed the name now. This was a charity that hooked up needy children overseas with American sponsors. During my four years of high school, I was a sponsor for a young Egyptian boy named Sharif. I sent him part of my paycheck each month and we exchanged letters. His letters were in Arabic and looking at them now, it appears that he believed he was writing to an adult man, not a girl five years older than him. He was nine years old, his father was dead and his mother was ill and couldn't work. He had two younger brothers and a sister uh, my age. I remember getting a letter from him when I was 16. He was excited because his sister had gotten engaged. I thought she's the same age as me and she's getting engaged. It seemed so foreign to me. These were the first Muslims I had contact with. Aside from this, I was also involved with other activities in high school. I tutored Central uh, American students at my school in English. In a group called Students for Social Responsibility, I helped charities for Nicaraguan school children and Kenyan villagers. We campaigned against nuclear arms. The biggest fear we all had that time was of uh, nuclear war. I invited exchange students from France into my home and I had pen pals from all over the world, France, Germany, Sweden, etc. My junior year of high school, we hosted a group called Children of War, a group of young people from South Africa, Gaza Strip, uh, Guatemala and other war-torn lands who toured the country telling their stories and their wishes for peace. Two of them stayed at my house, the group's chaperone from Nicaragua and a young black South African man. The group's uh, chaperone from Nicaragua and a young black South African man. The summer after my junior year of high school, I took a volunteer job in San Francisco, the Tenderloins District, teaching English to refugee women. In my class were Fatima and Maysoon, two Chinese Muslim widows from Vietnam. These were the next Muslims I met. Uh, although we couldn't talk much, their English was too minimal. All they did was laugh. All of these experiences put me in touch with the outside world and led me to value people of all kinds. Throughout my youth and high school, I had developed two very deep interests, faith in God and interacting with people from other countries. When I left home to attend college in Portland, Oregon, I brought these interests with me. At Lewis and Clark College, I started out as a foreign language, French and Spanish major uh, with a thought to one day work with refugee populations or teach English as a second language. When I arrived at school, I moved into a dorm room with two others, a girl from California who grew up only 10 minutes from where I did. 
and a 29-year-old Japanese woman exchange student. I was 17 at that time. I didn't know anyone else at school, so I tried to get involved in activities to meet people. In line with my interests, I chose to get involved with two groups, Campus Crusade for Christ, obviously a Christian group, and Conversation Groups where they match Americans up with a group of international students to practice uh, English. Uh, I met with the Campus Crusade students during my first term of school. A few of the people that I met were very nice, pure-hearted people, but the majority were very uh, ostentatious. We got together every week to listen to personal testimonies, sing songs, etc. Every week we visited a different church in the Portland area. Most of the churches were unlike anything I'd ever been exposed to before. One final visit to a church in the southeast area freaked me out so much that I quit going to uh, the crusade meetings. At this church, there was a rock band with electric guitars and people were waving their hands in the air above their heads with their eyes closed and singing Hallelujah. I had never seen anything like it. I see things like this now on TV, but coming from a very small Presbyterian church, I was disturbed. Others in campus crusade loved this church and they continued to go. The atmosphere seemed so far removed from the worship of God and I didn't feel comfortable returning. I always felt closest to God when I was in a quiet setting and or outdoors. I started uh, taking walks around campus. Lewis and Clark College has a beautiful campus sitting on benches, looking at the view of Mount Hood, watching the trees change colors. One day I wandered into the campus chapel, a small round building nestled in the trees. It was beautifully simple. The pews formed a circle around the center of the room, uh, <coughs> and a huge pipe organ uh, hung from the ceiling in the middle. Uh, no altar, no crosses, no statues, nothing. Just some simple wood benches and a pipe uh, organ. During the rest of the year, I spent a lot of time in this building listening to the organist practice or just sitting alone in the quiet to think. I felt more comfortable and close to God there than at any church I had ever been to. During this time, I was also meeting with a group of international students as part of conversation group program. We had five people in our group, me, a Japanese man and woman, an Italian man and a Palestinian man. We met twice a week over lunch to practice English conversation skills. We talked about our families, our studies, our childhoods, cultural differences, etc. As I listened to the Palestinian man, Faris, talk about his life, his family, his faith, etc. It struck a nerve in me. I remember uh, I remembered Sharif, Fatma and Maysoon, the only other Muslims I had ever known. Previously I had seen their beliefs and way of life as foreign, something that was alien to my culture. I never bothered to learn about their faith because of their cultural barrier, but the more I learned about Islam, the more I became interested in it as a possibility for my own life. During my second team of school, the conversation group disbanded and the international students transferred to other schools. The discussions we had, however, stayed at the front of my thoughts. The following term, I registered for a class in the Religious Studies Department, Introduction to Islam. This class brought back all of the concerns that I had about Christianity. As I learned about Islam, all of my questions were answered. All of us are 
not punished for Adam's original sin. Adam asked God for forgiveness, and our merciful and loving God forgave him. God doesn't require a blood sacrifice in payment for sin. We must sincerely ask for forgiveness and amend our ways. Jesus wasn't God. He was a prophet. Like all of the other prophets who all taught the same message, believe in the one true God, worship and submit to him alone, and live a righteous life according to the guidance he has sent. This answered uh, all of my questions about the Trinity and the nature of Jesus, all God, all human, or a combination. God is a perfect and fair judge who will reward or punish us based on our faith and righteousness. I found a teaching that put everything in its proper perspective uh, and appealed to my heart and my intellect. It seemed natural. It wasn't confusing. I had been searching and I had found a place to rest my faith. That summer, I returned home to the Bay Area and continued my studies of Islam. I checked books out of the library and talked with my friends. They were as deeply spiritual as I was and, I, and had also been searching. Most of them were looking into Eastern religions, Buddhism in particular. They understood my search and were happy I could find something to believe in. They raised question, though, about how Islam would affect my life as a woman, as a liberal uh, Californian. Uh, with my family, etc. I continued to study, pray, and soul-search to see how comfortable I really was with it. I sought out Islamic centers in my area, but the closest one was in San Francisco, and I never got there to visit. No car and bus schedules didn't fit uh, with my work schedule, so I continued to search on my own. When it came up in conversation, I talked uh, to my family about it. I remember one time, I remember one time when we were all watching a public television program about the Eskimo. They said that the Eskimo have over 200 words uh, for snow because snow is such a big part of their life. Later that night, we were talking about how different languages have many words for things that are important to them. My father commented about all the different words Americans use for money, money, duff, bread. I commented. You know, the Muslims have 99 names for God. I guess that's what is important to them. At the end of the summer, I returned to Lewis and Clark. The first thing I did was contact the mosque in southwest Portland. I asked for the name of a woman I could talk to, and they gave me the number of a Muslim American sister. That week, I visited her at home. After talking for a while, she realized that I was already a believer. I told her I was just looking for some woman who could help guide me in the practicalities of what it meant to be a Muslim, for example, how to pray. I had read, uh, I had read it in books, but I couldn't figure out how to do it just from books. I made an attempt, or I made attempts and prayed in English, but I knew I wasn't doing it right. The sister invited me that night to uh, an aqiqah, dinner after the birth of a new baby. She picked me up that night and we went. I felt so comfortable with that Muslim sisters there and they were very friendly to me that night. I said my shahada witnessed by a few sisters. They taught me how to pray. They talked to me about their own faith. Many of them were also American. 
uh, I left that night feeling like I had just started a new life. I was still living in a campus dorm and was pretty isolated from the Muslim community. I had to take two buses to get to the area where the mosque was and where most of the women lived. I quickly uh, lost touch with the woman I met and was left to pursue my faith on my own at school. I made a few attempts to go to the mosque but was confused by the meeting times. Sometimes I'd show up to borrow some books from the library and the whole building would be full of men. Another time I decided to go to my first uh, Juma prayer and I couldn't go in for the same reason. Later I was told that women only meet at a certain time Saturday afternoon and that I couldn't go at other times. I was discouraged and confused but I continued to have faith and learn on my own. Six months after my Shahada I observed my first Ramadan. I had been contemplating the issue of hijab but was too scared to take that step before. I had already begun to dress more modestly and usually wore a scarf over my shoulders. When I visited the sister, she told me, all you have to do is move that scarf from your shoulders to your head and you'll be Islamically dressed. At first, I didn't feel ready to wear hijab because I didn't feel strong enough in my faith. I understood the reason for it, agreed with it, and admired the woman who did wear it. They looked so pious and noble. But I knew that if I wore it, people would ask me a lot of questions. And I didn't feel ready or strong enough to deal with that. This changed as Ramadan approached. And on the first day of Ramadan, I woke up and went to class in hijab, alhamdulillah. I haven't taken it off since. Something about Ramadan helped me to feel strong and proud to be a Muslim. I felt ready to answer anybody's questions. However, I also felt isolated and lowly during that first Ramadan. No one from the Muslim community even called me. I was on a meal plan at school, so I had to arrange to get special meals. The dining hall wasn't open during the hours I could eat. The school agreed to give me my meals in bag lunches. So every night as sundown approached, I'd walk across the street to the kitchen, go in the back of the huge refrigerators and take uh, my two bag lunches one for uh, futur, one for suhoor. I'd bring the bags back to my dorm room and eat alone. They always had the same thing, yogurt, a piece of fruit, cookies, and either a tuna or egg salad sandwich. The same thing for both meals. For the whole month, I was lonely, but at the same time, I had never felt more at peace with myself. When I embraced Islam, told my family, uh, when I embraced Islam, I told my family. They were not surprised. They kind of saw it coming from my actions and what I said when I was home that summer. They accepted my decision and they knew that I was sincere. Even before, my family always accepted my activities and my deep faith, even if they didn't share it. They were not as open-minded, however. When I started to wear hijab, they worried that I was cutting myself off from society, that I would be discriminated against that it would uh, discourage me from reaching uh, my goals and they were embarrassed to be seen with me they thought it uh, they thought it uh, they thought it was too radical they didn't uh, mind if i had a different faith but they didn't like it to affect my life in uh, an outward way they were more upset when i decided to get married during this time i had gotten back in touch with faris the muslim palestinian brother of my conversion group the one 
who first prompted my interest in Islam. He was still in the Portland area attending the community college. We started meeting again over lunch in the library at, at his brother's house, etc. We were married the following summer after my sophomore year, a year after my shahada. My family freaked out. They weren't quite yet over my hijab and they felt like I had thrown something else at them. They argued that I was too young and worried that I would abandon, abandon my goals, drop out of school, become a young mother and destroy my life. They liked my husband but didn't trust him at first. They were thinking green card scam. My family and I fought over this for several months and I feared that our relationship would never be repaired. That was three years ago and a lot has changed. Faris and I moved to uh, Corvallis, Oregon, home of uh, Oregon State University. We live in a very strong and close-knit uh, Muslim community. I graduated uh, magna cum laude last year with a degree in child development. I have had several jobs from secretary to preschool teacher with no problems about my hijab. I'm active in the community and still do volunteer work. My husband, inshallah, will finish his electrical engineering degree this year. We visit uh, my family a couple of times a year. I met Farah's parents for the first time this summer and uh, we get along great. I'm slowly but surely adding Arabic to the list of languages I speak. My family has seen all of this and has recognized that I didn't destroy my life. They see that Islam has brought me happiness, not pain or sorrow. They are proud of my accomplishments and can see that I'm truly happy and at peace. Our relationship is back to normal and they are looking forward to our visit next month, inshallah. Looking back, looking back on all of this, I feel truly grateful that Allah has guided me to where I am today. I truly feel blessed. It seems that all of the pieces of my life fit together in a pattern, a path of Islam. Alhamdulillah. Your sister in faith, C. Uda Dodge. Say Allah's guidance is the only guidance and we have been directed to submit ourselves to the Lord of the worlds. Alhamdulillah.